0: Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5 is where I'll be. It's over in the New Testament, one of the four Gospels right there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John was called the Beloved, one of those that were physically closest to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that was there actually when Jesus was crucified, standing there at the foot of the cross, John chapter 5 is where we'll be. My desire and prayer this morning is to be very simple in our message about the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you found John chapter 5, we'll stand together if you're able to for the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 5, and we're just going to read the first nine verses. John 5 verses 1 through 9. And it says in verse 1, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. I messed up last night while we were praying. I said it was the Pool of Siloam. I was completely off. And uh, the Pool of Bethesda. In verse 3, in these talking about those five porches in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt withered waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, "'Wilt thou be made whole?' The impotent man answered him, "'Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me.' Jesus saith unto him, "'Rise!' take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Wonderful account of something that takes place here, isn't it? I was burdened throughout this week as I was meditating on this passage of scripture where this man said, sir, in verse number seven, I have no man. But then I thought on this, and we could emphasize that subject matter throughout the day, but I turned it around and I thought on this subject matter that Jesus is one who cares. And aren't you thankful that Jesus cares of us, cares for us, cares about us? Jesus is one who cares. And I'm going to have a word of prayer and then you can be seated and I'm going to share a few thoughts as I look down through this passage of Scripture of some things that... We can learn and then maybe apply to our hearts and lives. And then we can be rejoicing and thankful that there is a Jesus who cares. I'm thankful for that. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to be able to gather together. Lord, thank you for accounts like this throughout the Scriptures. Lord, that reveal the love and the compassion that you have towards, Lord, not just this one that was laying there at the pool, but, Lord, towards each and every one of us. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, for whatever reason you've placed this upon my heart this morning, Lord, there's a reason for that, and we know that there's someone here today, Lord, and maybe they just need to have the realization that there is a Savior that does care for them. And there is a God in heaven. They may be your child today today, Lord, they may know you as their personal Lord and Savior, and they may still be sitting here or sitting at home, wherever it may be, saying, does Jesus care? Lord, I'm so thankful that you are one that cares. So Lord, help us throughout this morning now, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we look around in this world, there's always that question that people have, does anybody care? This question, I believe, and this concern has been around since the beginning of creation, that you can be actually in a crowd bigger than this, more people around, packed on every side and still feel all alone and wonder if there's someone who cares for us. Or will someone be right beside another person to be able to help, care, and show love? And listen, that's what the human mind desires and and longs for. Desires that these questions are answered. And may I say it's amazing how quick that that question can come to a person's mind even after some of the greatest acts of love and appreciation that others may show to them. Within a matter of a day or two, someone may be going through something and may ask the question, does anybody care? I'm thankful that no matter what the situation or the circumstances that surround that circumstance or that situation, that there is always one that cares, and his name is Jesus. You see, the Bible reminds us over in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5 that we can cast all of our care upon him. Why? Because he careth for us. In fact, Jesus himself in Matthew chapter number 11 said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he said this, and I'll give you rest. It's someone who cares for us that desires to take that load off us As we see here in John chapter number five, I want to remind us that listen, this pool of Bethesda was a real place that actually existed over around the city of Jerusalem. The Bible describes it here in chapter number five as a place that had five porches around this pool that was there. Some say this, this pool maybe not just had these porches like an open porch, but maybe porticos that were over that and a roof that was over it, probably a very nice place that was there. It actually means, if you look up the, the 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 meaning of the term Bethesda, you have Beth, just like the beginning of Bethlehem, which is house of. But then Beth, Beth, uh, excuse me, Bethsaida, meaning house of mercy or house of grace, which is very fitting for the group of people that were gathered around this pool that had the five porches as the sick and impotent folk, the blind, the halt, the withered. We'll get into those in just a second as they were gathered around because there was a miracle that would take place around there. And I want to look at this pool, but especially in the context, not necessarily looking, and we'll touch on the multitudes that are there, but on the fact that Jesus cares and there's a special someone who came walking through there one day and lives were changed. But first of all, let's start off by looking at this multitude that's gathered around the pool. The Bible describes them in verse number three, that they were blind and halt and withered. You say, well, pastor, that's a, that's a group of people maybe that, that, that I don't want to hang around with. That doesn't describe the, the friend circle that I have. I'd rather have those that can get out and do something, not the, not the blind ones and the halt and the withered. Can I remind us during this time? The Bible says that there was a multitude of them that were gathered around this pool it's it's a place and we understand this even in modern society that those places maybe where some that are poor and down and out and, and and bad on their luck right now as some would describe it that they tend to congregate in the same places you know why that is because many have those things in common and so here you have this multitude And listen, it's a place, understanding this, as you study throughout the New Testament, this is a place where there wasn't a welfare system that was taking care of this population and this multitude that was gathered together. In fact throughout the New Testament you see over and over of those that were to to fit in this category here you see them on the side of the road or at the temple gates or or just outside private property as the Bible describes it all the way through and they're begging they're asking alms of those that are coming by if they're they're blind maybe they're they're shaking their their tin cup to be able to know if something gets dropped in there they're asking for food they're asking for help I believe today they probably have the, the, the same um, disposition probably that was treated towards them today as what we see back in the Bible times because there were times that like a man named Blind Bartimaeus was actually on the side of the road and he was hollering out because he heard Jesus was walking by. And even some of them would walk over to that man and say, hey, why don't you keep it down a little bit? Quiet your voice down as you're crying out for Jesus and listen, that just caused him, the Bible says, to cry out louder. Say, well, now that I know that I got your attention, I get your attention by crying out to Jesus, I'll cry out a little bit louder and be able to get the attention of Jesus. And guess what it did? But here's one of those places that the Bible says that the multitudes were surrounding this, the sheep market. May I remind us also, and we won't get uh, too many details into this, but listen, this area of the city is not the most sanitary place. That when you have the sick folks that are laying around, the, the blind and the halt, the maimed, the withered, listen, those that have physical ailments and they're laying around and the Bible says by the sheep market, anybody here have been to a sheep market? Anybody here have been to a place that, I'll, I'll compare it this way, that are buying and selling cattle? It's not the place that's the most sanitary that you would say, hey, why don't you go there if you want a sterile environment? And they're here beside the sheep market that they're buying and selling sheep and and listen, everything that entails with that, no doubt it's not the most sanitary place but here are these five porches are gathered around there. And here it's full. The Bible says with a multitude, if you can get this into your mind, maybe of what this would look like and these levels of porches and everywhere around there are people that are sitting there that listen, they can't and they're not functioning out in society. They have something that's, that's hindering them from being able to hold down the job, something that's hindering them from being able to work on a regular basis or some physical ailment, listen, that they're going through. And you say, well, that's a good place for them down there by the porches. This multitude is gathered around there. You say, well, it sounds like today. Well, here's what I want us to get to, and we're going to take it a couple steps further. The Bible says in verse number three that they were there by these porches, and the end of verse number three says this, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, there is a miracle that would occur at a certain season inside this pool. You say, what's the miracle? Well, the Bible describes it in verse number four, and you say, well, I have a hard time believing this. That's why it's a miracle, okay? It is beyond human expectation and human possibility that at a certain season, understanding this, that they are gathered around, not because there's no place else to go, but with expectation, at some point, an angel from heaven came down, and the Bible says, troubled those waters. That word troubling doesn't mean like a hurricane to be able to stir it up and to be able to have the wind and the rain and the water splashing out everywhere. It was a stirring of the water, and the miracle was whichever one of these sick folks were able to get into that water first, Bible says they were healed from whatever disease they had. Now listen, it's no wonder that a multitude was hanging around there because what that pool did was for that moment, it gave every one of them a glimmer of hope that I could be the one It's kind of like, and I I will compare it to this, this man who's been laying there, the Bible says he's had an infirmity for 38 years, but he's still around the pool, still saying there's a chance. You say, well, I don't understand that. I'll put it into this comparison. It's you stopping at the gas station, getting your lottery ticket every week. Because you keep hearing, well, somebody's got to win. And they're laying around the pool saying, well, (coughs) somebody's got to make it into the pool. And maybe it's me. And here's a man that's got the infirmity for 38 years. And as you look down through, listen, the miracle that would, the first one to be able to step in, the angel would trouble it. But then I noticed this as I I looked at it. Do you understand that there was a, a limited opportunity? for this to be able to take place, but oh, the hope that they had. You say, what's the limited opportunity? It was just a certain season. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if every day at eight o'clock in the morning that stirring would take place and whoever got in there would be healed of that disease? I guarantee you it would be world-renowned, that everybody from around the world, but let me remind us that water was not the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a limited opportunity But then it was this, it was uncertain as to the timing of it, this miracle. When's the miracle going to take place? All it said was a certain season. I wish it was to the point of being able to say, yes, it's at such and such a time on a certain day that that's going to take place. But then they'd all be gathered around the pool waiting for that to take place. And the first one to be able to fall in. It was just at a certain time. They didn't know when it was. They just had to be around there and had to be ready. But then I noticed, listen, even with this miracle, there was an inability to reach the healing from this man that was laying there. Thirty and eight years he had dealt with this. 38 years he suffered through life. 38 years. Listen, he had watched others be able to get into that pool. I don't know how long he was laying at the pool. I don't know if his family came by and said, Listen, we're tired of taking care of you. I'm laying you by the pool. At least there's some help. But he was 38 years dealing with that. You say, Well, all he had to do was get in when the water was troubled. But here was the issue. He didn't have anybody to help him. The inability. No one, the Bible says here in verse number seven, he said, I have no man. There is nobody that cares for my soul. Listen, didn't say soul. No one that is there caring for his body, caring for the condition that he was in. I'm on my own when this miracle takes place and I can't get there. Can you imagine laying in a place? Can you imagine being surrounded by those that are going through that, those that have similar ailments, and laying there knowing that there is a possibility if you can just get in the water, but you know you can't get there. You know you can't do it. There's a miracle that's going to take place. I wonder how many times that he laid there and he saw someone else be able to get into the water. They swam out of the water, climbed up, packed their stuff up, and walked back to the house. Because I wonder how many times he saw that. We're not sure on the frequency of this. We're not sure if it's once a year. We're not sure. It just says in a certain season that this would take place. But you see, something was different one day of his life. You see, when he got asked a question in verse number six, there's a man that was walking by, and the Bible says in verse number six, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. You say, how do you think Jesus knew that it had been a long time? You say, well, Jesus is God. He knows everything Can I give the earthly perspective to it? He probably saw the man's clothing. He probably saw his bedroll that was there. He probably saw the the surroundings that the man had. And listen, you can just tell when someone's been there for a while. He said he'd been there for a while. And Jesus asked this question, "Wilt thou be made whole? I wonder how many times this man had been asked that question. I wonder how many times and I wonder in this man's life if that man probably for that moment thought, that's a dumb question. I'm laying here, but can I just give you a sideline right here? Not everybody in this position or in this condition desires to be made whole. We've had some conversations lately, and as we talk with people, it's amazing no matter what the situation is that we say, you know, maybe this is their rock bottom. Maybe this is where they're at. This is what's going to turn them around. This is going to make the difference in their life that finally they'll make a difference. It's amazing how much lower they can go. It's amazing how they keep digging some hit rock bottom, and then they actually borrow a shovel and keep digging down. Jesus asked this man, "Wilt thou be made whole? Do you understand that this man did not answer yes or no? Now, my thought is, hey, I've been laying here. Of course I want to be made whole. But I just wonder if he'd gotten to the point that, listen, he just knew in and of himself he had no one and there was no hope. And he he had even lost his desire to be able to be made whole. We have this multitude that 's gathered around. We have this miracle that occurs at a certain season, and then Jesus comes walking through, asks the man, and Jesus simply looks at him after he acknowledges that he cannot do this on his own in verse number seven and has no other man that is able to help him. Then Jesus stepped in and in verse number eight says, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Now, what a story. What an account of what takes place right here. Can you imagine as that man goes home that day? I don't know if he finds his family. I don't know if he goes back to the house that he once lived in, finds his friends and says, hey, look at the difference that's been made. Uh, They start questioning him later on. We won't get into all of that right now. But listen, this is a great day in this man's life so many times we read things like this and we say, well, what in the world does this have to do with us? Is the lesson that we ought to go out and we ought to be helping all the poor? Listen, I'll remind us of this. Yes, we ought to, but even Jesus said, listen, the poor you have with you always. They're always going to be there. Now, Now, let me explain this. I'm all for helping the poor But do you understand there's not one program that's ever going to get rid of all the poor people across our nation or around this world? Not one, because the Bible said, Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. And as we look, you say, well, what's the lesson for us? And I want to look at this and just share a few thoughts on the message for our understanding. Now, we can rejoice. We can say, look at this pool of Bethesda. Listen, one was healed. But listen, I want to share a few things. There is always a multitude That Jesus sees. There's always a multitude. Do you understand? As Jesus was walking through here, and listen, he made mention of it, there was a multitude of impotent folk, of blind and halt and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And I'm praying in our hearts and lives listen, it may not be walking by the pool of Bethesda, but if we would lift up our eyes and we would see the multitude as Jesus saw the multitude. We see it over and over back in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36. The Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. It's been made mention of, and I'll remind us of this many times that we see the multitudes and we say, there's just too many people, to, too many to be able to reach. We can't make a difference with them. You've heard the account just as I've made reference to the account and you've probably read the story of it that a man walked over to the beach one day and it was at low tide and and high tide had just gone out and there was starfish everywhere anybody here ever hear the starfish story of the man walking on the beach and he's standing there and there's a there's a man down there on the beach and he's walking through and he's grabbing a starfish and he throws it out there in the water and he walks by and he grabs another one and there's thousands of them spread out there on the beach He walks by and he grabs another one and throws it out there. This man watched him for 10, 15 minutes. All he was doing is walking the beach and he'd grab a starfish and throw it out there in the water and throw it out there in the water. Finally, the man went down to him and he said, Sir, what are you doing wasting your time? He said, Don't you understand that there are thousands of these out here? And he said, You're not going to be able to save them all. You're not making any difference whatsoever man didn't say one word. He just turned and he reached over, he grabbed another starfish and he threw it out there in the water. And he said, made a difference to that one. And I thought there's multitudes that are around us. Listen, multitudes, not laying by a porch somewhere, but Jesus sees the multitudes. But listen, when he saw the multitudes, there was always a need for an individual to go and do something. You see, when Jesus, he talks about the multitudes that are here in chapter number five, but Jesus didn't just see the multitude and then just pass on by, but he was the one that walked through and dealt with that individual and was able to make a difference in their lives. You say, well, what about all the others that were there? We don't have an account of what took place in their life. As I started looking throughout the gospels, it is amazing on how many times that the Bible makes mention that the multitudes were brought to Jesus. And in a lot of cases, it just says, and he healed them all. And I thought, what a difference Jesus can make. You say, pastor, are you saying we ought to go out and find the sick? No, listen, I can't walk down. I wish I had the power to walk down to the hospital and be able to heal every one of them that's down there. And I'll just give you this sideline too, for all those people out there that say they're faith healers and they can just hit you on the forehead. Some of y'all have seen that. They, They hit them on the forehead and all of a sudden they're healed of everything. Hey, why don't they walk down to the children's hospital in Boston? And why don't they go down and empty that place out? Because if there's people that got faith that that's actually making a difference, then get down there and make a difference in those children's hearts and lives go to those burn units, go down here to the hospital. Where were they during COVID anyway? It should have been the rise of the faith healers across America. Listen, that they could step out and they're healing it. Oh, you got COVID. I'll hit you on the forehead and it'll be taken care of. Hey, listen, that's not what the message is for us to be able to hear it today. The message is that there's a multitude that's out there. But when Jesus sees the multitude, listen, he's looking for an individual. He's looking for someone to be able to make a difference. Of all the people, Jesus spoke with the individual for healing. It's a very interesting question. Wilt thou be made whole? I believe he wanted to be made whole. I believe he desired. That's why he was laying by the pool. That's why he was waiting there so that he could try to get in the water. But listen, he had no one to be able to come. He didn't say, I don't have a group of people. He said, I didn't even have one. Can I encourage us on this? Listen, be burdened for the multitudes that are around us. You say, but pastor, how in the world are we going to reach the multitudes? How are we going to reach the the vast majority of people that are around us? I'm going to tell you how go start with one. You see, Jesus said it to the disciples over and over. I believe when the crowd was coming out from Samaria after he talked with that woman there at the well, he said to the disciples, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to harvest. Look at the people, they're out there. You say, well, I can't reach all of them at one time. No, but you can start with one. You can start with one. So many times we forsake the one because of the discouragement of the multitudes. But I want to encourage you today, listen, in this man's life, there was one that cared. Now, I don't know what you're going through in life, and you may be sitting here amongst the multitude. You may be saying, hey, this is what I'm going through, but I know everybody else has their problems too. Can I remind you of this? There is one that cares. And of all those people, I don't know if the others had family. I don't know what it was about this man that was singled out for Christ, but the statement, I have no man. And I believe it was just an example to show them, hey, there is someone who cares for your soul. There is someone who's thinking about you. There is someone that's making a difference. And listen, look for someone this week that you can walk up to and say, hey, I want to tell you Jesus loves you. Hey, can I tell you about the, the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has? You say, well, is that, that may not make a difference. It'll make a difference when they realize someone cares for them. Someone cares about them. Jesus was able to look at this man. Listen, he was physically healed. And then later on in the verses, listen, I believe he was spiritually healed. Thy sins be forgiven. God made a difference in his heart and life. You say, well, who's going to pay my bills? Who's going to do this and that? Listen, you got a greater need than just who's going to pay your bills. You got a greater need than just friendship and someone to be able to talk to. There is a sin need that is in someone's hearts in life. There is a sin need that, listen, you cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot do enough good things and say, listen, my, my good works will get me there. Listen, there is someone that cares for your soul, and it's Jesus. But can I tell you this, too, and I'll just say it as plain as I can. There's someone that cares about you, too, and that's Grand State Baptist Church. I don't ever want it to be said, listen, I walk in and walk out of there, nobody talked to me, no one cares about me, it's over with. No, someone cares about you. And if you don't see that, can I remind you, it may be because you don't want to see that. Or maybe you don't believe that while no one ever could. And so all the the good works and the love and the compassion that's being shown, some people just don't want anybody to love them. But you know something's not going to stop me trying to love people. And there is someone. And Jesus does love you. And Jesus does care for you. And I don't know how simple of a message you need it this morning that someone cares about you. As Jesus cared for this man that had been 38 years with this physical ailment, I believe something with his legs, something he could not walk. He was a crippled man that could not get down there. And listen, I believe he could crawl. The Bible says, he said, wow, I'm coming. Someone else gets down in the water in front of me. I believe he's crawling his way there, doing all that he can. But Jesus comes by and says, I'll make a difference in his life. Someone cares. And you may be sitting here this morning saying, I have no man. I have no one. I have no one. There, there's no one that cares about me. They do care about you. And most of all, Jesus cares. There's a song we sing it sometimes Does Jesus care? That last verse, as we get down through there, it says, Oh, yes, he cares. He surely cares. His heart is touched with my grief. So you may be sitting here this morning saying, I have no one. You know what Jesus did in this passage of Scripture? He just showed him that his deepest concern, I have no one. Jesus showed him he had someone. And you may be here this morning and you say, Pastor, I I don't know. I, I just don't have anybody. Sure you do. Maybe you're the individual that needs Jesus. Don't let him pass you by. What if, now think about this, what if this man laying there, Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. The next verse says, and immediately the man was made whole. What if this man had still just laid there, say, ah, he don't care about me. I don't even know who that guy is. I think he'd still be laying there. You say, oh, no, that was 2,000 years ago. You understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and I thought, you know, Jesus passes by your way. It's not an accident. You're at Granite State Baptist Church this morning. And Jesus is trying to give you a message that he's real, that he speaks to you, that he cares about you, and he wants to make a difference in your heart and life. And then some of us may sit back and say, ah, that's not for me. That's for someone else. No, Jesus is walking by your way. He just wants to show you that he cares for you, that he loves you, that he has you on his mind. You may be the one that needs him today and need to be made whole. Not just taking up thy bed and walk. Now there's times, listen, I wish Jesus could walk by and I've already said it. I wish he walked by and empty out that hospital down there. I wish he could, he, he could go by another facility, listen, take care of things, just be able to heal people. I wish that was all. Jesus isn't here to be able to do that. I I wish all that could take place today. But I can say this, that spiritual need that's in your heart and life, he's available and willing to be able to take care of. You're not by yourself. Jesus is one who cares. And if Jesus cares for you, I want to care for you. We want to be able to love on some people, be able to let them know, listen, you might be laying in the midst of a multitude, but you're not by yourself. Jesus is one who cares.